0: Father, I ask for the dew of heaven. That's all that I'm looking for is a sense of you in your word to feed us. Show us yourself. This is all we need. Show us you. Amen. Amen. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to jump into the scriptures. A couple of things I want to say before we read the text, there's three times in the Old Testament where the name El Shaddai is used. And two of them are very interesting because the same thing happens both times. Uh, The first one is when Abraham, God reveals himself to him as the El Shaddai, as the all-sufficient one. Everything you need is right here. And once Abraham, Abraham sees him like that, his name is shifted to Abraham. He's changed by the sight of God as everything. And later on, Jacob also meets the Lord and God reveals himself to him as El Shaddai. I am everything that you need. And when he sees him like this, God changes his name from Jacob to Israel. Shows me something, the more I see God, the more I'm transformed. And the wonderful thing is that we can gaze at God and see him by the Spirit in the Scriptures, praise God. And this is what I want to do today. I want to talk to you about the incomparable name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Woo, does that make you happy? I feel bubbles coming up once I say the incomparable name of Jesus Christ. Our text today is 2 Corinthians five nineteen. 19. Uh, actually, we'll, we'll, yeah, let's look at 19. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Praise God. This is our text today. I wanna talk to you about three things. One, what he is. Two, what he's like. And three, what he's done. T. Austin Spark said over 90 years ago, there was a day that came when I saw Jesus Christ and everything else seemed like nonsense. Nonsense. And that's what I'm looking for today, for us to see Christ and be changed by seeing who he is. A.W. Tozer once wrote, what comes to mind when you think of God is the most important thing about you. He goes on and he says, idolatry is entertaining thoughts about God that are unworthy of him. I remember the old deceased prophet Art Katz He said, is not the root of all of our ills the failure to radically apprehend God as he is, seeing him rightly. One of the reasons why we're given the scriptures is because we as humans are prone to make God like us. So we're given the scriptures so we don't get it twisted. See, when a man sees God right, it brings him low in worship It lifts him high in praise. It bends his knee in prayer. It opens his hands in trust. It grins his face with joy-filled satisfaction. It lays him in peaceful sleep. It brightens his eyes with gratitude. It melts his heart with love. It dashes his heart with conviction. It shudders his knees with fear. It humbles him to the dust. It makes obedience a delight. Sorrow, passing, and persecution beautiful when we see Christ as he is. So let's take a look at who Christ is. I'm gonna go through so many scriptures, it would just be going from text to text if I was to give you references, but I'm gonna just say them all, you can Google them later. But just to talk about who this is that we're speaking of, that God was in Christ. The scriptures tell us that he is great, and watch this, great is his name. Now we get this twisted sometimes, we don't understand what it means when we say the name of the Lord. Sometimes we think it's like the syllables, You know, but there's a million guys named Jesus in the world. Did you know that? You just go to Mexico, you'll find a bunch of them. (laughs) But we're not talking about the syllables. We're talking about something that is very interesting. We're talking about the revelation of what he is, what he's like, and what he has done. It's all summed up in the name. Let me say it to you like this. If I told you that I was going to... Uh, throw a basketball tournament and you get to form a team and I'm gonna give you one player and I tell you, his name is Michael. You would say, I don't know this guy. Is he good? Has he ever played basketball before? But if I say to you, Michael Jordan, then you say, yes, I know the name. I know what he's done. I know the legend. I know the history. I know what he can do. I've seen it. That's what we mean when we say the name of the Lord, not the syllables, the testimony of what he has said of himself, what he has done, and what he's proved himself to be. That's the the great name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. What does that even mean? It means they remember what he's done, what he's like, and they hide there and say, I trust in you, my God. The Scripture says that we worship the name of the Lord. In other words, you remember what he's done and you say, oh, I worship you, Lord God Almighty. Oh, the name of the Lord is so precious. And just to see a couple of things about him, what he is, is that he calculates the dust of the earth. The scripture says he weighs the mountains, that he spread out the heavens all alone. It says that he sits above the circle of the earth. It says he blows upon men and they wither to nothing. It says he cleans the heavens with an exhale. (laughs) He clears the heavens with an exhale. He made the stars those heavenly flames. He counts their numbers and knows their names. And the scripture tells us that not one of them goes missing by his great power. The scripture tells us he never gets tired he sets a king up, and then he puts one down. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> he sets one up, he puts one down. The scriptures say that the nations are literally meaningless to him. They're a drop in the bucket. The, the scripture tells us that he, listen to this, he humbles himself to look upon the angels. That's incredible. It is an act of humility for this great being to even give attention to what the angels are doing. That's incredible. This is who we're talking about when we say God Almighty. We see that he made the earth by his own power. He established the world by his own wisdom. He stretched out the heavens by his understanding. He speaks, the scripture says, and there's a tumult in the heavens. He makes lightning for the rain, the wind he puts in storehouses. He tells the snow, fall now, the scriptures tell us. He surrounds himself with lightning and the sound of it declares his presence. Next time you hear lightning, next time you hear thunder, just remember he's declaring his presence here. He hangs the earth, the scripture says, upon nothing. He hangs the earth upon nothing. This is incredible. He rebukes the sea and it becomes dry. Have you ever seen the ocean? Imagine the entire thing becoming dry because he spoke a word. This is who we're talking about. The mountains melt like wax at his presence. Who is this personally involved, all-pervading consciousness that is God? The scripture tells us he fills the heavens and the earth. He's just everywhere. He doesn't just declare things before they happen. He declares the end from the beginning. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, none can deliver out of his hand. The scripture says his purposes cannot be thwarted. Praise God. No one can reverse the things that he does. Praise God. (laughs) Isaiah's last prophecy says that everyone will come and bow down before him. He calls himself the first and the last. He goes on in Isaiah and he gets on this rant and he says this, he says, Who is like me? Let him recount it to me. Let him describe to me the beginning. Can he tell me the things that are coming, the events that have not yet taken place? Who is this man who thinks he's my equal? Is there any God besides me? Is there any rock or solid foundation? I know of none, God says. Nine times in Isaiah 45 alone, he says, there is no God but me. Praise God. (laughs) Who can counsel him, the scripture asks. To whom will we liken him? Who can we even compare him to? This creates worship in the heart. When you begin to look at what the Bible says about God, it causes your being to begin to stir on the inside. And that stirring on the inside causes respect, honor, fear, love. You're just beginning to erupt up and say, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord my God. There's something about this looking at who he is. The scripture tells us that we are the clay and he's the potter. And then he says, what right does the clay have to say to the potter for me like this? When when Paul is recounting this, he goes into this, ecstasy and he begins to say who has known the mind of the lord who can be his counselor who has given a gift to him that it might be repaid for from him to him and through him are all things to him be all the glory therefore i make an appeal to you to present your body a holy and acceptable sacrifice to god this is your reasonable act of worship What's he saying? He's saying, if you see who I'm talking about, there's only one logical response and it's to fall down on your face and say, blessed be the name of the Lord. The scriptures tell us that not only is he unmatched, he's unparalleled and there's nothing too difficult for him. He makes rough places smooth. He shatters doors of bronze and he cuts through iron bars, the scriptures tell us. Listen to these next four statements. If you would just grab a hold of one of these and write it in your being, and write it in your being, something will take place today that will shift the way you look at life forever. All things are His servants. Two, He sits in the heavens and does whatever He pleases. Three, He works all things after the counsel of His own will. Four, His sovereignty rules over all. Praise God. If we will believe the scriptures, we, we will be convinced, not only will we fall down in adoration, but we will be convinced that worry is the seed of atheism. We will be convinced that fear is an assault on his character. We will see that works is an insult to the gospel. And we will see that disobedience is pure insanity when we see God as who he is. Praise God. So we remember, we remember who he is. And the scriptures say that the words, awe and majesty belong to him. What that means is that you can't use these words, awe and majesty with anybody else because they belong to him. He's the only one that they describe, awe and majesty, that's God, praise God. So I'm not saying that we become inactive. We work according to the spirit cooperating with God, but we live in trust, guys. We live in trust. And if we see God rightly, not only will we humble ourselves before him, Not only that, but we will be able to say things like this Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that challenges the armies of the living God? When you see God rightly, you'll be able to say, You'll be able to say like this Today the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will remove your head from you and feed your flesh and your entire army to the birds. And all the world will know there is a God in Israel. Praise God. Maybe our problems, maybe the Goliaths that are in front of you are just waiting for you to believe God enough to throw a stone at him. What is it? What is it that I'm trying to say? I'm trying to lift God high and say, let's stand with two feet upon everything that God has told us about himself. May we say with Martin Luther, my soul is held captive to the word of God. Here I stand. I can do no other. May we hold on to the scriptures and say, this is telling me exactly who my God is. The kind of trust that this will birth says things like this. Our God is able to deliver us from this fire. He will deliver us from this fire, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow. Praise God. That's real faith. Praise God. So we've talked about what he is, which is absolutely mind boggling. But let's now look at what that person who is so great is like. Turn over to Exodus 34 real quick. Or go in your phone, or whatever. (laughs) Exodus 34. As a matter of fact, let's just go up to 33 and look at 18. Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory, God. Show me who you are. You've got to open my eyes to see your glory. Open my eyes to see your glory. Then he says... I myself, God says, I myself will make my, look at this goodness pass before you. I will proclaim my name before you and I will be, quote, gracious to those whom I will be gracious. He shows his nature. So you have a couple of things here. You have nature, name, and goodness, which are his glory. What is this that he wants to see? Show me your glory. Okay, you'll see that I'm good. Not only will you see that I'm good, you will see my name and my name is this, I act like this. I am compassionate and gracious. Look down at verse six of chapter 34. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed the name of the Lord. I am the Lord, the Lord compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, and yet will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Moses made haste, bowed low to the earth, and worshiped God. What are you saying, Eric? I'm saying if we see what he's like, it will make us fall down on our faces in worship. Why, because there's not a nature you'll find like this nature. You will not find someone who's so great and so kind. You will not find someone who puts a king up and puts one down and then holds you with his own hands. You will not find anything like this. I mean, think about what the word compassion means. It means that he's attracted to weakness, that this great God is attracted to your weaknesses. That moves me, I've said it in here before, but it's worth saying again, One of my friends, Dane Ortland, likes to say, the things about you that make you cringe most make him hug you tightest. That's a good God. That's compassion. He longs to help you, he sees your weakness and he doesn't hold his nose and run away from you. He runs to you in your dirt and your shame and he picks you up and he cleans you off all himself. This is goodness, this is compassion, praise God. Yes, he is majestic and glorious, but he's so kind and loving. This causes us to love him and to worship him. We see that he loves us with an everlasting love. He longs to, quote, shine his face upon your life. He wants to put joy in your heart more than the time when their corn and their wine increased. He longs to sing love songs over you, surround you with favor like a shield, cover you with his pinions, giddy your soul under his shadow. This is what he's like to satisfy your life with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. This is the kind of person he is. Oh, this moves me and it makes me just throw hands up and say, oh Lord, I worship you. There's not another God like you. We see that we can recognize who he is in just Psalm 103 we forget none of his be- we forget none of his benefits. He, he pardons all of our iniquities. He heals all our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. He crowns us with loving kindness. He's slow to anger and he's rich in love. He doesn't deal with us as our sins deserve And As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion upon his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He remembers that we're dust. His loving kindness is everlasting. He keeps his covenant forever. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Say, Eric, what are you doing? I want to just look at God and see something happen on the inside of us because we believe who he is. And lastly, we look at not only what he's like, but now we see the things that he's done, which are the full manifestation of what he's like. Because what he's like isn't just something that he says. What he's like is the expression of what he does. It's expressed in what he's done. He doesn't just leave it at language. He drops down out of heaven. See, he is fully manifested as a man, good Lord. He manifests his goodness and his kindness and his gentleness and his compassion by dropping down out of heaven by the weight of love into the restrictions and frailties of a human body. This is called Jesus Christ, praise God. This is called Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the God of Israel made manifest in the flesh, praise God. My God, that moves my heart. It makes me wanna just just fall down on my knees. And say all that you would include us in this as Gentiles, I'm, oh Lord, thank you. Thank you so much that so you would open the door to us who do not deserve it. Letting us find you when we didn't even seek you. You are good, God. The apostle John tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And then he says that the, the word, God, was made flesh. He dropped down out of heaven. The scripture tells us that it was God's pleasure, the fullness of God would dwell in him I'm pulling a section from Adolf Saphir. he was a Jew that grew up Jewish and didn't know the name of Jesus he had only heard of the God of Israel and he writes this I was brought up in my childhood in, in a synagogue I was I was taught that there was no uh, no other God but God Almighty infinite incomprehensible high above us and omnipresent much stress was laid upon this great God But this bare, vague, abstract monotheism leaves the mind in darkness while the heart is chilly and desolate. There was another and a better current which then influenced me. It was the national history. As I I read it recorded in the books of Moses and in the Psalms, and I started to read the prophets and commemorate things in the festivals, there I was met with no abstract idea of God, but a loving God. I see him appearing to Abraham and speaking to him. I see him leading Israel through the wilderness and then dwelling among them. And after that, I thought to myself, what a friendly, kind, concrete human way in which the Lord has appeared unto his people and dwelt with them. I wonder why he is not with us now. I wonder why he is not known now or loved now or followed now. And then one day I was at the library and I saw some books, and the title of one of the books arrested my eye. And it said, God became a man. The thought went through my mind like a flash of lightning, it thrilled my soul with the most joyous solemnity. Oh, I said, this would be the most beautiful thing if God were to become a man and visit us. Not many years after that, I heard of Jesus. Said, how many years out that I heard of Jesus and I read the gospels, I felt here the same presence, the same love, condescending, redeeming, and sanctifying God that appeared to the fathers that was with Moses and Jacob. I felt that here was Jehovah, that all darkness had disappeared and that the grand and conceivable glory has here shone on us in perfect, peaceful, and holy countenance in this man, Jesus Christ, who is the face of God. And I can say now I have seen God face to face and my life has been preserved. To believe in Jesus, the Son of God, is not an abstract dogma or a theosophic speculation, but a soul experience, a new heart. It is a new life. It is the mystery of godliness. May the result of all we learn and experience on earth be summed up in this. By God's spirit, I believe in Jesus Christ, the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise God. (laughs) Say, Eric, what are you saying? I'm saying at his rebuke, the sea turns dry. His fingers paint the very colored sky. Guiding the streams, he feeds the birds. In your hand is the depths of the earth, sending lightning and rain wherever you wish. You color the coral, the shimmering fish. You know every grain of sand, the gallons of sea, the song of the dug, the sigh of the free, the hearts of men lay open before you. All thoughts and intents are all known to you. These are wonders but I'm at a loss knowing that you hung off a cross, bleeding and gasping a final breath, then resurrected to life, conquering death, ascending on high to the right hand of God, soon to return with an iron rod. I kiss you now, not for fear, but for all of the beauty I feel, see, and hear. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I just wanna call our attention to the incomparable name of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna end with a scripture reading. If the band can come up, that'd be great. I know this was short, but man, was I feeling that. Oh God, (laughs) burning through me like fire in the bones. Listen to this, this incomparable name, God Almighty in the man Christ Jesus. And here it is, you've read this before many times, but every time I read this, this makes my heart break. Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. Don't let these words glide over your ears. Listen close and let them in. Being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, For this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, praise God. The incomparable Christ. You won't find a more romantic thing than God loving you so much he left heaven to come down here to save his bride. You won't find anything comparable to it. Tell me the greatest romantic movie you've ever seen. I'll laugh at it next to my God. They're all slivers compared to this one who is love itself, who the scripture says he gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age, freely he gave himself for us, surrendered his life upon the cross. Say, Eric, what are you doing? I'm just hoping that your eyes today will remember Christ and something will shift on the inside. Maybe the gospel power will begin to work again in your heart or in your life. If you love these words that I'm saying and you're living this way, then you're probably the most excited about these things. So let's just turn our eyes to the Lord, shall we? Can you stand up with me? What greater response to the gospel is there than worship? What greater response is there to the contemplation, the meditation upon God than worship? To turn our eyes away from the person to your right and to your left, turn your eyes away from yourself and forget yourself and begin to just go up to the Lord. There's nothing like this. So Father, I worship you, I praise you. I give you glory, Lord, not another like you. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus.